I invite you to follow along in your own personal Bible or in the pew Bible that is in your pew. I will sing the steadfast love of the Lord forever. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I said, steadfast love will be built up forever. In the heavens you will establish your faithfulness. You have said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David my servant. I will establish your offspring forever and build your throne for all generations. Then continuing to verse 20. I have found David my servant. With my holy oil I have anointed him, so that my hand shall be established with him, and my arm shall also strengthen him. The enemy shall not, shall not outwit him. The wicked shall not humble him. I will crush his foes before him and strike down those who hate him. My faithfulness and my steadfast love shall be with him. And in and my name sh- shall his horn be exalted. I will set his hand on the sea and his right hand on the rivers. He shall cry to me, you are my father, my rock, the rock of my salvation. And I will make him the firstborn of the highest kings of the kings of the earth. My steadfast love I will keep for him forever. And my covenant will stand firm for him. I will establish his offspring forever and his throne as the days of the heavens. If his children forsake my law and do not walk according to my rules, if they violate my statutes and do not keep my commandments, then I will punish their transgressions with a rod and their iniquities with stripes. But I will not remove him from my steadfast love or be false to my faithfulness. I will not violate my covenant or alter the word that went forth from my lips. Once I have sworn to my holiness, I will not lie to David. His offspring shall endure forever, his throne as long as the sun before me. Like the moon it shall be established forever, a faithful witness in the skies. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. If, um, if you've heard me preach at all any, you know that I'm a big believer in trying to find God in the everyday. You know, sometimes we, we expect God to move or come only in like these super duper, super amazing, awesome spiritual moments that are hard to even wrap our minds around. You know, so often we expect that's how God's going to show up in waves that can't capture life even. Our words will fail us. We expect the glory of God to fall in ways that blow our minds. And yet then we spend half our life stuck in traffic. Going, okay, God, you know, like, I'm waiting. I want to see something. And we're stuck in the curve there by the waterworks on the interstate. Like, come on, come on, Lord. At least show up or get me to work on time, one or the other, you know. Yet the beauty of God is that God is present, not just in those divine, unexplainable moments, but that God is truly present. God is truly present even when we're stuck in traffic on the interstate. We can find the divine in the ordinary things of life. I truly believe that with all that I am. And so within that, because I do believe as well that all truth is God's truth, God God sprinkles his truth all around. And we find bits of the gospel and bits of of his love 
in so many places. And I'm all, I always love to try to find the gospel in the culture where we live. To find the gospel in the things that we do each day. To find the gospel in the pop culture stuff of this life. So, as I was thinking about Palm Sunday and praying through this text and thinking about it, you know what I could not get out of my head? What image would not leave me? What concept was just heavy on me? Comic books. Superheroes. For those of you that are real geeks like me, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I could not get Iron Man and Spider-Man and Captain America out of my mind as I thought about Palm Sunday as I read the text. Now you're thinking, preacher, we know you were dropped on your, child, your head as a child, so we know something's not quite right about you. But how in the world are you going to get from Spider-Man and Captain America to Palm Sunday? Well, if you go back, the first Marvel movie came out about 10 years ago was, was, was Iron Man. And then Captain America came out not long after that. And in all of these movies, there's a common thread that's being built and tied together. There's this common thread that you see woven throughout all of these movies. There's some big shiny power source. They call it an infinity stone. But, it, but they show up in every one of the movies. And basically the plot for all these movies is the good guys have the stone. The bad guys want it. Things blow up. The end. I'm good with that. But all of these movies have all of this interwoven. And you'll see a bad guy show up in this movie. And he'll be the main bad guy in this next movie. And you'll see this stone here. And it'll, it'll show up here. And then it'll disappear. And then it'll come back. And it's all, all of these different threads in all of these different stories, and all of these different things have kind of been woven together for the big superhero movie coming out this summer that's going to make a bazillion dollars, and everybody's going to go watch it. And it's all kind of leading to this moment. All the stones and the bad guys and the stories and the backstories. All these different things are being woven together to all kind of come together in this moment here. I think that's kind of cool. It's a lot of work by writers to kind of weave it all together. But I think that's kind of cool to see that. In the beginning of the Bible, we see God make a Adam and Eve formed them in his image. Male and female, he made them, Scripture says. And he puts them to work in the garden. Says, okay, guys, here's the deal. You got all this here. Everything you can see. All this is good for eating and for tilling, and it's awesome. But whatever you do, don't touch that tree right there. Don't touch it. Don't do it. So, of course, God turns away, and what's the very first thing they do? They go touch the tree. They go do the very thing God said, whatever you do, don't do that. So God looks away, and boom, like a moth to the flame, right there to it. That's kind of human nature, isn't it? It's kind of what we do as humans. We do the things we shouldn't. Paul said that in, in his letter to the Romans. The very things I should not do, the very things that I do. It's like we have something in us. 
Because here's the thing. John Wesley said one of the definitions Wesley had for sin, what it is, it is a known violation, a willful violation of a known command of God. God said, don't touch it. And they go and touch it. And it all kind of rolls downhill from there. And so we see, we see that. But what we also see very quickly after that happened in Genesis 3, God tells, um, God tells the snake, tells the serpent, okay, here's the deal. One day, one of their offspring is going to crush your head. And you will nip at his heel. So in the very beginning, when Adam and Eve did the very thing that God told them not to do, God punished them. As the text said, God punishes his children when they, when they sin. God punished. But then in there he says, but one day, serpent, someone's coming who's going to crush your head. We see the first little thread. We see the first little thread there, don't we? And then we see it all throughout Scripture. We see it all throughout Scripture. We see, we see in the Paschal Lamb of Passover, the perfect Lamb slain. And the blood of that Lamb, when applied to the doorpost of the Israelites' home, would spare the Israelites from the judgment of God. We see God, through Noah, make a covenant and say, I will never again flood the earth. We see God in Psalm 89 say to David, I will establish your kingdom forever. I will establish your throne forever. And I will never forget nor forsake your offspring. And your, and your offspring will rule upon a throne forever. To the son of David, he makes that promise. We see it all throughout the passages we've read this, this Lenten season. We see all these threads, these threads of Noah, these threads of Leviticus, these threads of the scapegoat, these threads of Noah, these threads of Moses, all of these different threads from all across Scripture. From the psalm this morning, we see all these different threads from all over being woven together. And that's the beauty of God's Word. Being woven together till it gets to this point today. When Jesus comes down the Mount of Olives and the children come and lay their, their palm branches before his donkey. They lay their cloaks, cloaks upon his donkey, before his donkey. And they shout, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. To who? The son of David. In other words, it's all happening. It's all come to this moment. All the stuff from Genesis and Leviticus and all the stuff that's over there has been coming. And this Messiah that has been coming has now appeared. Hosanna, not to just some guy. Hosanna, not to just some prophet. But Hosanna to the son of David. The one who was promised has come. David's son has come. I, you know, Jesus lived 
a difficult life and a difficult ministry here upon the earth. And there were two moments. There were two moments in his ministry where he truly got the worship he deserved. One was um, the transfiguration. When he was transfigured and the disciples saw Jesus in the fullness of his glory, they just go, wow, you are, wow, you are amazing, you are glorious, and you are awesome. They worship him there. And secondly, it's Palm Sunday. When we see Jesus come down the Mount of Olives and the kids lay their palm branches and everyone goes, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna to the King. And we see Jesus worshiped. We see him glorified. We see all the people acknowledge him for who he is. He is the Messiah. And that's what, like, see, we even take our kind of Western understanding of the text. We see Jesus coming down the donkey. We go, oh, bless, sweet little Jesus. Oh, bless his sweet little heart, riding that sweet little donkey. Ain't that precious, sweet little Jesus. No! That donkey was the most messianic thing he ever did. Only the king, only the Messiah enters the town on the back of the humble donkey. That is a messianic act. Jesus is telling everyone, everyone, I am the son of David. I am the one who's promised. I am the Messiah. And they all come out shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. The crowd also gathered together later in the week. And later in the week, as they gathered, they also shouted out something. Instead of shouting, Hosanna, a few days later, the same crowds gathered. And this time they shouted, Crucify him. Crucify him. Crucify him. So people gathered together on Sunday to worship, to praise his name. And later in the week, they turned away from him and shouted for his death. They worshiped on Sunday and denied on Friday. I'm sure we don't need to read too much into that, do we? We do the same thing, don't we? We gather together to worship on Sunday. And then life happens Monday morning. <laughs> and how often do I betray him? By the things I've done? by the things that I have not done. How often have I done what Wesley said is a known violation of a command of God? How often do I do that? How often do I hear God commanding me to do something and I refuse to obey? And so I become just like them. We walk the path because we must walk the path 
because we need the forgiveness the path offers. Why did they betray? Why did they shout crucify? Well, remember, they were waiting for Messiah, weren't they? They were waiting for the son of David to come. But here's the thing. What they wanted was that earthly, political king like David to drive out. The Israelites had been oppressed since David. First, the the Assyrians, then the Babylonians, then the Persians, then the Greeks, then the Romans, then the Ottomans, then the British. They desired a king to drive out these oppressors. That's what they were longing for. And Jesus came... And he wasn't what they expected. But he was exactly what they needed. Sometimes Jesus comes in us to ways that we don't expect. You might be now in a place where you're praying, Jesus, show me. I need to see you. And his answer is not the answer you won't. But it may be the answer you need. You might not like where you are. You might not like what's happened. You might not even understand it. But the Jesus who walks along beside you, even when the path is unsure, even when the road is rocky, even if it's not what you want, is the Jesus you need in that moment. He is with you now. He will not leave you, and he will not forsake you, and he will be for you what you need in this moment. He is our Messiah. He is our Savior, and he will not leave nor forsake his children, no matter where they find themselves. So right now, if, you're, if Jesus finds you praising in a time of plenty, in a time of laughter, in a time of joy, then praise God. Praise God for his goodness. But if Jesus finds you in a time of trial, a time of Good Fridays, a time of darkness, Christian, don't give up. Because it may feel like Good Friday. But Sunday's coming. Sunday's coming. Jesus might not always be what we want. But he is always what we need. He will take the threads of our life. All the pieces that don't fit. All the things that seem unsure. And the master painter will weave them together to a beautiful arrangement. It all leads to this. And as we enter into Holy Week together, may we feel his power in each moment. And may we know his life in each moment. Jesus is always what we need. Let us pray. Gracious God, thank you for your life and for your love and for your power. 
Thank you for being what we need in all of our life. We love you. We ask this prayer in Jesus' sweet and holy name. Amen. Our closing hymn this morning will be hymn number three, four, I'm sorry, 514, Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus. And during this final hymn, the altar is open. Perhaps you've never made the decision to put your full faith in Jesus Christ. Today is a great day to accept him as Lord. Perhaps you'd like to come talk to me about how you can join St. Matthews. We'd love to talk to you about how you can become a member of our church. Perhaps you'd just like to pray. Well, the altar is open. During our final song, Christ stands here ready to meet you. He is what you need. Won't you come? benediction. I want to introduce to you uh, Christina and Terry Patrick. They come forth to join our church. They come by transfer of letter uh, from other Christian churches, and we welcome them here. I ask you on behalf of the church, will you be loyal to St. Matthew's with your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness? And we as a congregation respond, we give thanks for all that God has already given you, and we welcome you in Christian love as members together with you in the body of Christ. And in this congregation of the United Methodist Church, we renew our covenant faithfully to participate in the ministries of our church by our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness, that in everything God may be glorified in Jesus Christ. They have a son, Wesley, who's part of our confirmation class, and a son, Noah, as well. So we rejoice in that.
Our Bible is a wonderful piece of work. It is full of stories from the Old Testament to the New, pointing to the coming of Christ. And it's also a book of stories of individuals, good stories and bad stories, woven together to show the glory of God. So as the cross and light lead us out into the world this week, may we remember how our stories fit into the bigger story of God and how we relate to one another. So let us pray. Grant us, O Lord, we have said with our lips we believe in our hearts, and what we believe in our hearts we live out in our daily lives. So may the grace of Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore.